This is John Keats, The Eve of St. Agnes. St. Agnes' Eve, ah, bitter chill it was. The owl for all his feathers was a cold. The hare limped trembling through the frozen grass, and silent was the flock in woolly fold. Numb were the beadman's fingers while he told his rosary, and while his frosted breath, like pious incense from a censer old, seemed taking flight for heaven without a death past the sweet virgin's picture, while his prayer he saith. His prayer he saith, this patient holy man, then takes his lamp and riseth from his knees, and back returneth meagre barefoot one among the chapel aisle by slow degrees. The sculpture dead on either side seemed to freeze, imprisoned in black purgatorial rails, night's ladies praying in dumb oratories. He passeth by and his weak spirit fails to think how they may ache in icy woods and mails. Northward he turneth through a little door, and scarce three steps ere music's golden tongue flattered to tears this aged man and poor. But no, already had his death-bell rung, the joys of all his life were said and sung, his was harsh penance on St. Agnes' Eve, Another way he went, and soon among rough ashes sat he for his soul's reprieve, and all night kept awake, for sinner's sake to grieve. That ancient beadsman heard the prelude soft, and so it chanced, for many a door was wide from hurry to and fro. Soon up aloft the silver snarling trumpets gan to chide, the level chambers ready with their pride were glowing to receive a thousand guests. The carved angels, ever eager-eyed, stared, where upon their heads the cornice rests, with hair blown back, and wings put crosswise on their breasts. At length burst in the argent revelry, with plumed tiara and all rich array, numerous as shadows haunting fairily, the brain new stuffed in youth with triumphs gay of old romance. These let us wish away and turned soul-thoughted to one lady there, whose heart had brooded all that wintry day, on love, and winged St. Agnes' saintly care, as she had heard old dams full many times declare. They told her how, upon St. Agnes' Eve, young virgins might have visions of delight, and soft adoring from their loves received upon the honeyed middle of the night, if ceremonies due they did aright, as, supperless to bed, they must retire, and couch supine their beauties lily-white, nor look behind, nor sidewards, but require of heaven with upward eyes for all that they desire. Full of this whim was thoughtful Madeline, the music yearning like a god in pain she scarcely heard. Her maiden eyes divine fixed on the floor, so many a sweeping train passed by, she heeded not at all. In vain came many a tiptoe amorous cavalier, and back retired. Not called by high disdain, but she saw not. Her heart was otherwhere. She sighed for Agnes' dream, the sweetest of the year. She danced along with vague, regardless eyes, anxious her lips, her breathing quick and short. The hallowed hour was near at hand. She sighs amidst the timbrels and the thronged resort of whisperers in anger or in sport, mid looks of love, defiance, hate and scorn, hoodwinked with fairy fancies, all a mort save to St. Agnes and her lambs unshorn, 
and all the bliss to be before tomorrow morn. So, purposing each moment to retire, she lingered still. Meantime, across the moors had come young Porphyro with heart on fire for Madeline. Beside the portal doors, buttressed from moonlight, stands he and implores all saints to give him sight of Madeline, but for one moment in the tedious hours that he may gaze and worship all unseen, perchance speak, kneel, touch, kiss. In sooth such things have been. He ventured in, let no buzzed whisper tell, All eyes be muffled, or a hundred swords Will storm his heart, love's feverous citadel. For him those chambers held barbarian hordes, Hyena foemen and hot-blooded lords, Whose very dogs with execrations howl against his lineage. Not one breast affords him any mercy in that mansion foul, Save one old beldame, weak in body and in soul. Ah, happy chance. The aged creature came shuffling along with ivory-headed wand to where he stood, hid from the torch's flame, behind a broad hall pillar, far beyond the sound of merriment and chorus bland. He startled her, but soon she knew his face and grasped his fingers in her palsied hand, saying, Mercy, Porphyro, hide thee from this place. They are all here tonight, the whole bloodthirsty race. Get hence, get hence. There's dwarfish Hildebrand. He had a fever late, and in the fit he cursed thee and thine, both house and land. Then there's that old Lord Morris, not a whit more tame for his grey hairs. Alas me, flit, flit like a ghost away. Ah, gossip, dear, was safe enough. Here in this armchair sit and tell me how. Good saints, not here, not here. Follow me, child, or else these stones will be thy beer. He followed through a lowly arched way, brushing the cobwebs with his lofty plume, and as she muttered, well, well a day, he found him in a little moonlit room, pale, lattice, chill, and silent as a tomb. Now, tell me where is Madeline, said he, or tell me, Angela, by the holy loom, which none but secret sisterhood may see, when they, St. Agnes' wool, are weaving piously. St. Agnes? Ah, tis St. Agnes' Eve. Yet men will murder upon holy days. Thou must hold water in a witch's sieve and be liege lord of all the elves and fays to venture so. It fills me with amaze to see thee, Porphyro. St. Agnes' Eve. God's help, my lady fair, the conjurer plays this very night. Good angels, her deceive. But let me laugh a while. I've mickle time to grieve. Feebly she laugheth in the languid moon, while Porphyro upon her faith doth look, like puzzled urchin on an aged crone, who keepeth closed a wondrous riddle-book. A spectacle she sits in chimney-nook. But soon his eyes grew brilliant when she told her lady's purpose, and he scarce could brook tears at the thought of those enchantments called, and Madeline asleep in lap of legends old. Sudden a thought came like a full-blown rose, flushing his brow, and in his pain at heart made purple riot. Then doth he propose a stratagem that makes the beldam start. A cruel man and impious thou art, sweet lady. Let her pray and sleep and dream, alone with her good angels, far apart from wicked men like thee. Go, go, 
I deem thou canst not surely be the same that thou didst seem. I will not harm her. By all saints I swear, quoth poor Pharaoh, or may I ne'er find grace when my weak voice shall whisper its last prayer, if one of her soft ringlets I displace, or look with ruffian passion in her face. Good Angela, believe me by these tears, or I will, even in a moment's space, awake with horrid shout my foeman's ears, and beard them, though they be more fanged than wolves and bears. Ah, why will thou affright a feeble soul, a poor, weak, palsy-stricken churchyard thing, whose passing bell may e'er the midnight toll, whose prayers for thee each morn and evening were ne'er missed? Thus plaining, doth she bring a gentler speech from burning Porphyro, so woeful and of such deep sorrowing, that Angela gives promise she will do whatever he shall wish, betide her weal or woe which was to lead him in close secrecy even to Madeline's chamber and there hide him in a closet of such privacy that he might see her beauty unespied and win perhaps that night a peerless bride while legion fairies paced the coverlet and pale enchantment held her sleepy-eyed never on such a night of lovers met since Merlin paid his demon all the monstrous debt. It shall be as thou wishest, said the dame. All cates and dainties shall be stored there. Quickly on this feast night, by the tambour frame, her own loot thou wilt see. No time to spare, for I am slow and feeble and scarce dare on such a catering trust my dizzy head. Wait here, my child, with patience, kneel in prayer the while. Her thou must needs the lady wed, or may I never leave my grave among the dead. So saying, she hobbled off with busy fear. The lover's endless minutes slowly passed. The dame returned and whispered in his ear to follow her, with aged eyes aghast from fright of dimmer spile. Safe at last, though many a dusky gallery they gained the maiden's chamber, silken hushed and chaste, where Porphyro took covert, pleased amain, his poor guide hurried back with agues in her brain. Her faltering hand upon the balustrade, old Angela was feeling for the stair when Madeline, St. Agnes' charmed maid rose like a mission spirit unaware. With silver tapers light and pious care, she turned and down the aged gossip led to a safe level matting. Now prepare young Porphyro for gazing on that bed. She comes, she comes again, like ring-dove frayed and fled. Out went the taper as she hurried in, its little smoke in pallid moonshine died. She closed the door, she panted, all akin to spirits of the air and visions wide, no uttered syllable or woe betide. But to her heart, her heart was voluble, paining with eloquence her balmy side, as though a tongueless nightingale should dwell, her throat in vain and die, heart stifled in her dell. A casement high and triple arch there was, all garlanded with carven imageries of fruits and flowers and bunches of knot grass, and diamonded with panes of quaint device. Innumerable of stains and splendid dyes, as are the tiger moth's deep damask wings, and in the midst, amongst thousand heraldries and twilight saints and dim emblazonings, a shielded scutcheon blushed with blood of queens and kings. Full on this casement shone the wintry moon, and threw warm ghouls on Madeline's fair breast, as down she knelt for heaven's grace and boon, 
Rose bloom fell on her hands together pressed, and on her silver cross soft amethyst, and on her hair a glory like a saint. She seemed a splendid angel newly dressed, save wings for heaven. Porphyro grew faint. She knelt so pure a thing, so free from mortal taint. Anon his heart revives. Her vespers done of all its wreathed pearls, her hair she frees. Unclasps her warmer jewels one by one, loosens her fragrant bodice. By degrees her rich attire creeps rustling to her knees. Half hidden, like a mermaid in seaweed, pensive a while she dreams awake and sees in fancy fair Saint Agnes in her bed, but dares not look behind, or all the charm is fled. Soon, trembling in her soft and chilly nest, in sort of wakeful swoon, perplexed she lay, until the poppied warmth of sleep oppressed her soothed limbs and soul fatigued away. Flown like a thought until the morrow morn, blissfully havened both from joy and pain, clasped like a missile where swart paynims pray, blinded alike from sunshine and from rain, as though a rose should shut and be a bud again. Stolen to this paradise and so entranced, Porphyro gazed upon her empty dress and listened to her breathing, if it chanced to wake into a slumberous tenderness, which when he heard, that minute did he bless and breathed himself. Then from the closet crept, noiseless as fear in a wide wilderness, and over the hushed carpet, silent stepped, and between the curtains peeped, where lo, how fast she slept. Then by the bedside, where the faded moon made a dim silver twilight, soft he set a table, and half anguished threw thereon a cloth of woven crimson, golden jet, over some drowsy morphian amulet. The boisterous midnight festive clarion, the kettle drum and far-heard clarinet, affray his ears, though but in dying tone. The hall door shuts again, and all the noise is gone. And still she slept an azure-lidded sleep, in blanched linen smooth and lavendered, while he from forth the closet brought a heap of candied apple, quince and plum and gourd, with jellies soother than the creamy curd, and loosened syrups tinct with cinnamon, manna and dates in argosy transferred from fez, and spiced dainties every one, from silken samarkand to cedar Lebanon. These delicates he heaped with glowing hand on golden dishes and in baskets bright of wreathed silver. Sumptuous they stand in the retired quiet of the night, filling the chilly room with perfume light. And now, my love, my seraph, fair awake, thou art my heaven and I thy eremite. Open thine eyes for meek St. Agnes' sake, or I shall drowse beside thee, so my soul doth ache. Thus whispering, his warm and nervid arms sank in her pillow. Shaded was her dream by the dusk curtains. T'was a midnight charm impossible to melt as iced stream. The lustrous salvers in the moonlight gleam, broad golden fringe upon the carpet lies. It seemed he never, never could redeem from such a steadfast spell his lady's eyes, so mused a while in toil in woofed fantasies. Awakening up, he took a hollow lute, tumultuous, 
And in chords that tenderest be, he played an ancient ditty long since mute, in Provence called La Belle Dame Sans Merci, close to her ear touching the melody. Wherewith disturbed she uttered a soft moan, he ceased, she panted quick, and suddenly her blue, afraid eyes wide open shone. Upon his knees he sank, pale as smooth sculptured stone. Her eyes were open, but she still beheld, now wide awake, the vision of her sleep. There was a painful change that nigh expelled the blisses of her dream, so pure and deep, at which fair Madeline began to weep and moan forth witless words with many a sigh, while still her gaze on Porphyro would keep, who knelt with joined hands and piteous eye, fearing to move or speak, she looked so dreamily. A porphyro, said she, but even now thy voice was at sweet tremble in mine ear, made tunable with every sweetest vow, and those sad eyes were spiritual and clear. How changed thou art! How pallid, chill, and drear! Give me that voice again, my porphyro, those looks immortal, those complainings dear, or leave me not in this eternal woe, for if thou diest, my love, I know not where to go. Beyond a mortal man impassioned far at these voluptuous accents. He arose ethereal, flushed, and like a throbbing star seen with the sapphire heaven's deep repose. Into her dream he melted, as the rose blendeth its odour with the violet. Solution sweet. Meantime the frost wind blows like love's alarum, pattering the sharp sleet against the window panes. St. Agnes' moon hath set. "'Tis dark, quick pattereth the floor-blown sleet. "'This is no dream, my bride, my Madeline. "'Tis dark, the icid gusts still rave and beat. "'No dream, alas, alas, and woe is mine. "'Porphyro will leave me here to fade and pine. "'Cruel, what traitor could thee hither bring? "'I curse not, for my heart is lost in thine. Though thou forsakest a deceived thing, a dove forlorn and lost with sick and pruned wing. My Madeline, sweet dream, a lovely bride, say, may I be for I thy vassal blessed, thy beauty shield, heart shape, and vermal dyed. Our silver shrine, here will I take my rest, after so many hours of toil and quest, a famished pilgrim, saved by miracle. Though I have found, I will not rob thy nest, saving of thy sweet self, if thou thinkst well to trust fire Madeleine to no rude infidel. Hark, tis an elfin storm from fairy land, of haggard seeming, but a boon indeed. Arise, arise, the morning is at hand, the bloated wassailers will never heed. Let us away, my love, with happy speed. There are no ears to hear or eyes to see, drowned all in Rhenish and the sleepy mead. Awake, arise, my love, and fearless be, for o'er the southern moors I have a home for thee. She hurried at his words, beset with fears, for there were sleeping dragons all around, a glaring watch, perhaps with ready spears. Down the wide stairs a darkling way they found, in all the house was heard no human sound. A chain-drooped lamp was flickering by each door, the arras, rich with horsemen, hawk and hound, fluttered in the besieging wind's uproar, and the long carpets rose along the gusty floor. They glide like phantoms into the wide hall, like phantoms to the iron porch they glide, where lay the porter in uneasy sprawl, with a huge empty flagon by his side. 
The wakeful bloodhound rose and shook his hide, but his sagacious eye an inmate knows. By one and one the bolts full easy slide, the chains lie silent on the foot-worn stones, the key turns, and the door upon its hinges groans. And they are gone. Aye, ages long ago these lovers fled away into the storm. That night the baron dreamt of many a woe, and all his warrior guests with shade and form of witch and demon and large coffin worm were long benightmared. Angela the old died, palsy twitched, with meagre face deformed. The beadsman, after thousand aves told, for I unsought for slept among his ashes cold.